Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet. Are you paying for your me time with just any credit card in your wallet? While you shouldn't stop treating yourself, you should start paying with a credit card that has perks. Nerd Wallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending. So, what could future you do with better rewards? A free flight? Room upgrades? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie Couric, and this is Next Question. Sharon Stone is known for portraying a certain type of brash, cunning villain like Catherine Trammell in Basic Instinct. Did you kill Mr. Boz, Miss Trammell? I'd have to be pretty stupid to write a book about killing and then kill somebody the way I described it in my book. Lori Quaid in Total Recall. Sorry, Quaid. Your whole life is just a dream. Or more recently, Lenore Osgood in the Netflix series Ratchet. I can't rest until I know he's dead. In reality, though, believe it or not, Sharon Stone is pretty shy and introverted and despite her fame, has led a very private life. But now she's in the midst of a very public and personal re-examination of that life in her memoir, The Beauty of Living Twice. When it came down to it, I just thought I could write 20 different memoirs, but what what do I really need to, to figure out here? And what I felt I needed to figure out first in, in my 20 memoir possibility was, who am I? If I'm gonna write about my life, the first thing I need to know is, who am I? And I felt like there was a certain point in my life when I felt very kicked, kicked off, kicked down, beaten down, broken. And I needed to know, how did I get there so that I don't do that some more? And what is it that that led me to that part of my journey? I want to understand, you know, what is it that breaks me? What is it that that leads me in this direction? And it all it is never the thing that really breaks you in the end. That's the straw. That's not that's not the load. And so I just wanted to go back and see what started to build that for me. What made that who I was and what made me vulnerable to break there? And so I went back and looked at my journey. It's remarkable, actually, how heavy a load Sharon carried at times in her life, from being molested as a child 
to the sexual harassment she endured in Hollywood, to the stroke that nearly killed her back in 2001. I actually interviewed her about that experience while I was at NBC. We spoke at her home in San Francisco. When it hit me, I felt like I'd been shot in the head. That's the only way I can really describe it. It hit me so hard, it knocked me over on the sofa. In today's conversation, nearly 20 years later, Sharon and I dive right in and talk about the process of capturing her life on the page. For Sharon, the writing of this book actually happened in the quietude of the night. The kids are in bed and everybody's TV is off and all those electric waves aren't so strong and the TV, the phone's not ringing and all that stuff is quiet. And I sit down and I just kind of wait for it to start happening. And, you know, sometimes it's great. And sometimes I feel like my guts are inside out and I just do what I can do. And sometimes I write two pages and sometimes I write for hours, you know, and sometimes most of it's good and sometimes <laughs> some of it's not so great. And I get like a couple paragraphs out of it. But I feel like it's, that's my way. I mean, some people get up and they write from like seven to three every day. And I admire that. But, you know, that's not what happens to me. I don't have that thing. I don't have, that's not how it works for me. I have days where it's like, I need to paint today. Like, you really have to, like, get out of my hair. Like, I have to paint today, you know, and I wander around with a paintbrush in my teeth. So you obviously have this just this huge well of creativity that that you have been mining in recent years, you know, with your painting, with your writing of short stories, with your writing of this memoir. And, you know, those are all very different pursuits. But when it came to the memoir, you would you would probably expect or readers might express expect that the the person behind the memoir reached some level of self-actualization or self-awareness. And and I'm I'm curious, what did you learn about yourself when you were done with this? Did you did you see your own persona and your own, you know, human being with with more clarity? Oh yeah. I mean, I think really the biggest day of change was the day I read the book for the Audible book. Yeah. Yeah. Reading sitting here. Interestingly enough, the director turned out to look like a doppelganger of my best friend. And that was kind of, first of all, kind of stunning when she appeared on the Zoom. And I said, wait a second, you have to see this picture of my best friend. You're not going to believe it. And then I put the picture of my best friend in front of me and I read the book to my best friend. And I just sat here alone in my room reading this book out loud to my friend. And it pulled it all together to me in, in a new way, like the completion of it and the reading it out loud in this very quiet space. It put it into perspective for me in a new way, and it really did change my life. And it really made me see everybody around me with a different kind of clarity. And what about how, how you saw yourself? I think it made me really own myself out loud. It gave me the confidence to say, this is who I really am. And you can't define me as something else anymore. 
I'm not going to allow that to happen anymore. And my boundaries and my confidence about myself changed so dramatically that um, I changed my life super dramatically. Like I fired a lot of people around me. People around me fired me. Um, my life changed really. It's changing. It's changing as we speak. My life is changing a lot. Do you feel like you're shedding a skin in a way? I feel like I'm a caterpillar that turned into a butterfly almost, you know, not like I'm shedding a skin exactly as like I'm, I'm almost free of a shell that was like crushing me that like I couldn't get out. Like I felt like I was trapped and I couldn't get out like this whole other um, oppressive construct of like, no, this is who you are and who you're going to be. I got it off me. It's like, no, you, it's not going to keep going on. I'm not doing that. I'm not being that. You can't make me be that another step. I'm not. It's off me now. It's off me. It's off me out loud. It's just off me. Like, and get off me. Like, no, I'm no. The answer to that is a giant no and get off me. And anybody who wants to insist on that, you're done. Who puts that constrictive shell on you? Is it is it expectations placed on women? Is it Hollywood? Is it a way that you are seen as a beautiful woman? I mean, what what kind of came together to to produce that very restrictive, really typecasting or shell or expectations that you were really kind of suffocating under? Um, that's a big question, Katie, you know, it's a lot of misogyny. It's people who abusive people, abuse, abuse, it's abuse, it's misogyny, it's uh, intentional, uh, misrepresentative behavior. Um, it's... Let me just say that if you're a trauma survivor and you're hiding anything, like I was, people can, abusers can smell that like a truffle pig can smell a truffle. They just can. And I don't know how that works. And if you are, are, have been abused by addicts, addicts can smell that like a truffle pig can smell a truffle. So I would say I have really made huge efforts not to be codependent, but if you have been abused by addicts, then, you know, get thee to Al-Anon, get thee to a program where you can get help with that because um, you're a target for that. So, um, I had to get myself to some help. I had to get myself to Al-Anon and I had to get some actual help with how to detach from uh, abuse to really get it off me. Um, and it's been an amazing, uh, 
it, it actually makes my head hurt to address this, but uh, let's say that's what my head hurt to start with. That's what my head, how my head began to hurt to begin with. Um, it's been a really, um, a giant setting down of boundaries. Just my boundaries are, <laughs> I love my boundaries <laughs> and my boundaries love me. Did you not always have them? I mean, is oh, this a new thing? Lord in heaven. I mean, I think the whole world is probably aware of how much I didn't have boundaries. I think the whole world has seen really clearly with their own two little eyes how much I was abused for not having boundaries. I think the whole world has experienced Sharon Stone's abuse and lack of boundaries. I think we all are really clear that I have been abused for lack of boundaries. I think the whole world is really understanding that I have been manipulated by lack of boundaries and understanding that I can actually say, get the fuck off me. My answer is no. And no actually means N-O, back it up. I think that the whole world has seen the tire treads across my face. And yes, I am learning very well the meaning, spelling, and definition of the word boundaries. When we come back, what shocked Sharon the most about putting her story out in the world? That's right after this. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
you write so much about trauma and was that in and of itself traumatizing? Yeah, and it continues to be. I mean, the studio has decided to release a director's cut of Basic Instinct with no permission, uh, discussion, or uh, financial uh, remuneration for me <laughs> of, of a director's cut of Basic Instinct as the 30-year celebration of the film. Um, talk about boundaries. Talk about a lack of uh, acknowledgement of the female perspective in 2021 or 2022, whenever they're thinking of doing it. Um, talk about no understanding of me too. <laughs> and me, me, Sharon Stone too. Um, yeah, like, hello, the, the world never stops trying to drive up women's brains and park there without a parking pass. <laughs> and, and did you express your disappointment or outrage to the fact that that was being done without any yeah, kind my, of consultation? My lawyer, my lawyer has spoken to SAG and we're expressing it. But, you know, when you're a young girl and you get your first film, this is not what you anticipate they're going to be doing 30 years later when you get your first big break in Hollywood. But, you know, there's so many people. I mean, let's face it. The man who invented the microwave got two bucks. This is not a new story. You write a lot about your mom, and I'm curious if you reached a deeper understanding about her uh, through the process of writing this book, because I, I know that, that, that she reveals the abuse she experienced as a young girl to you. And, 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 you know, I think an interesting thing about looking back at your life, you can, you can have a different vantage point of the people around you and the people that you love or were loved by. How did this book change your relationship with your mom or your understanding of it? I mean, understanding something doesn't make it acceptable and understanding doesn't fix it. Understanding doesn't make my mom uh, okay now. Understanding doesn't make her, understanding doesn't go back and change her whole life. And understanding isn't gonna change what she values or how she's coped or It has tempered some of her behavior. It has tempered the things that she puts forth as the good foot. But it hasn't, it hasn't changed everything she thinks about secrets and lies and everything about what she finds as a comfort zone. You know, my mother, my mother still feels a little bit more comfort in a, in a certain degree of danger and a certain degree of discomfort and a certain degree of not having, you know, love and hugs and appreciation and cuddles and extra care 
aren't her number one comfort zone. You know, that can creep my mother out. <laughs> that can make my mother run. You know, too much love, too much um, acceptance, too much, too much transparency is too much for my mom. You know, writing this book and coming fully into transparency is for me like a like the greatest thing that ever happened. Like I'm enjoying it more than I could ever possibly have imagined. It's for me like, you know, apple strudel and ice cream. It's like, oh my God, I didn't know that people were gonna be nice to me after I wrote this book. <laughs> That's such a really big thing that I hadn't anticipated. What did you think they were going to think or be like to you? Well, people haven't always been traditionally particularly nice to me. Traditionally, people have always been rather cool to me, you know, with the exception of people that I really know intimately. People have always been quite cool and rather, you know, observing of me as opposed to being warm and embracing of me. This is quite new and it's so wonderful. And, and so, so absolutely thrilling. Why do you think they weren't nice to you? I think people were afraid of me. <laughs> I, don't th I don't think people understood me. And I think that in my business, people were using that as a way to pretend that I was different than I am. And of course, my friends know how I am. And you know, call me and say, you know, I can't believe you did this because you're so shy. How are you coping? Because you're so paralytically shy. I can't believe that you actually did this. And um, for my mom, I don't think that she's allowing herself the warmth and the love that she could have. She did a little at first when we first started discussing all this while I was writing the book. She actually went to my kid's school for grandparents day for the first time. And when the kids asked her about her childhood, she told her childhood that she grew up in someone else's house, that she was the housekeeper, that she didn't have her own family. And the kid, you know, the, everybody stood up and cheered her and said she was such a hero and she had never experienced herself in that way. And she was so proud and so like open and that she could experience herself as a survivor, not as a secret victim was enormous for her. And it changed her a lot, but I don't know that she understands fully that she can do that, that she doesn't have to be a secret and that she doesn't have to stay in the shadow like a mushroom. You know, she's still so scared. And so I understand her, but she's still running in her fear. And my family is still a lot in their fear and in the kind of behavior that fear creates. And um, 
And a lot of that fear is very antisocial. We'll take a short break, but when we come back, a newly exposed Sharon Stone finally feels seen. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You talk about people being afraid of you, and and I'm wondering if it's because of what you write about your aunt and, and namesake, Aunt Vaughn. You say, there is such a prejudice against real beauty, especially when it comes with real intelligence like it did with my aunt. Do you think that I mean, you're a very beautiful woman and, and, you know, Candace Bergen talked about the burdens of that with Maureen Dowd. (laughs) Yeah. I love that she like ate a whole pumpkin pie and just ate the, stood in her kitchen, just ate the insides of a pumpkin pie, (laughs) the whole thing. Um, But, but, but I do sort of wonder if, if you could relate to, to what it was like to be a young Candace Bergen, um, where people have these expectations and really don't see you as a full person, but see you, unfortunately, I mean, as just see your beauty and that is it. Well, you know, Candace and I are friends and she was in my house and I have a screening room in the basement and she, <laughs> we were downstairs and we were going to put on a movie. And first you put on the TV on the big screen. And of course, it came up with an old movie that she was in when she was young. And, and she looked so gorgeous. And I was like, woo, look at you. And she was like making jokes about herself. And, 
yes, I see, you know, and in her case, it introverted her a lot too. It really introverted her too, you know, because she had made a lot of fun of herself and became a comedian because when she first tried to act, everyone really attacked her. I remember an interview or a review from, and I forget her name, the biggest interviewer in New York who wrote that Candace Bergen ran the emotional gamut from A to B. Oh, right. I remember that right? too. Just, they wrote the most horrible stuff about her that they would never say about another actress. They would never be that, you know, stringently, intensively attacking and, 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 sarcastically attacking of, of, of an actress, you know? And I remember a review that I got that I was like a fine Chardonnay. I would have the shelf life of a fine Chardonnay. And I remember writing back to the reviewer and saying, you're not much of a wine connoisseur, <laughs> you know? Like, get ready, buddy. <laughs> I'm a fine Bordeaux, buckle up. Um, like, you just don't, you don't get it. Like, y you just, you're, you're really, you know, you don't know what's happening. Sorry. Um, and I don't normally respond to critics, but I remember thinking, you're just trying to make a cheap shot about me. You're not trying to review what I did. You're just trying to be an asshole. Um, yes, I think that people really do like to be, they like to think that you're the, you're the you're the end of their witticism. You're they're going to use you as you know target practice. It's yeah, it's awful. It's clear that writing has sort of made you feel whole. Well, and and the reception to this book has made you feel seen. What it makes me feel is that I have for five seconds the control of the narrative about me. Like, no, I don't own a house in Australia. I don't own a house in New Zealand. I don't own one in middle America. I'm not dating Jared Leto, who I've never met. I don't, you know, it's like all these stories you make up about me. It's like, guess what? None of that is my story. Like for five minutes, I get to actually tell you something that's true about me. And that not only that, but. I'm just so struck by how emotional you got that that people are seeing the real you and they're liking the real you and they are caring about the real you, which you haven't felt in a very long time. Well, when people are on the roof of your car and ripping the bumper off and ripping the rearview mirror off and ripping your clothes off your body and then making up fake stories about you, you don't really feel cared for. <laughs> You're you talking know? about the paparazzi? Paparazzi fans, you know, the response to me has been quite aggressive. It hasn't been like the we like you kind of response. It's been the like, we want to like devour you response or that we have like all these really strong opinions about you, but not the we see you or we know you or we'd like to have you over for a grilled cheese. <laughs> Do you think that's because of some of the roles that you've had that people, people blur the characters you've played with the person you are? 
And, and I have to say, I can take responsibility for some of that too, because after I did Basic Instinct, you know, I talked with Cindy Berger, my publicist about like, she's like, well, now you're going to have to decide how you're going to be in public. And I was like, well, I don't know what that means. And she's like, well, like when you do interviews, you're going to have to decide how you're going to be. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And she's like, well, you know, you're very shy and, you know, you stay home and read books. Like, what are you going to do in your interviews now? And I thought, you know, and she said, well, you know, you're going to have to have a public image because people are going to try to attack you and they're going to try to find things that are wrong with you. And they're going to try to make you, they're going to try to look for things that you do wrong so they can trip you up. You know, so if you make your public image a certain way, they'll be less able to trip you up because you'll have said, I'm either more wild than this. So it won't matter if you, you know, make a mistake in public or, you know, there were all these. This is when you were 32 years old. We should remind people. Right. And so I was like, oh, well, so like if I get caught kissing someone, then if I'm like this, then it won't be a scandal. And so there was all this because you have to remember this was a period. This is 31 years ago. So this is a period when women on film were supposed to sit with their legs crossed at the ankles when there was a bigger scandal when I did that scene that I was lifting my arms over my head and you could see my armpits because you weren't supposed to show your naked armpits. This was unfeminine that I was lifting my arms over my head and continually showing my naked armpits. You know, this was a very big, can we do that? Can she keep showing her armpits? This is why I was so rattled that all of a sudden we'd seen up my skirt because we were like, you can't show your armpits. You know, little did I think they were going to see up my skirt because people were like, we can't see our armpits. And I was like, armpits? What's with the armpits? You know, because we were still like you had to keep your knees together. You could you were supposed to cross your legs at the ankle. There were a lot of throughout my career where we allowed you could cross your legs at the knee, but you couldn't put your ankle over your knee and cross your legs, even in pants. This was like women couldn't sit like that in movies. You were there were all kinds of things well, as I was coming up as an actress that you could and couldn't do as a woman on film. So as things just kept being OK, because, you know, everything had to go before a board for ratings. And so when the film was coming out, you know, you could only say the F word like once in a movie and still get an R rating. It's not like now, like I was watching a show two nights ago that had naked men's testicles in the sex scenes. And I was so like, oh, goodness, like you were seeing everything. And I was like, wow, like, you know, like it was such a big deal. Everything as I was growing up in the film industry. This is what I was growing through in the film industry because everything was super specific, what you were and were not allowed to do. So we were supposed to show our womanhood in very specific ways. Like it was a certain year when you were allowed to not wear pantyhose, when you were allowed to have bare legs on film. Isn't that yeah. crazy? Right? 
And so what happened is this scene got super sensationalized to such a degree that it became so much more than it ever really was. And it became historically so much more than it ever really was that even now people are talking about it when it doesn't mean anything anymore. You know, in this film I just saw, they had erect penises. And I was looking at it like, are they fake penises? Are these guys really showing erect penises? And this was like on HBO. And I was like, and they're making still such a big deal about my one tiny thing that nobody cares about anymore. But just because it's attached to me, you know? Yeah. And people want And because to- of that moment in time, too. Yeah, but like, hello, this is 30, 30 plus years ago. And, and people are still like, let's talk about that. It's like, why? Why in God's name do you want to talk about that? It's like ancient history and nobody cares anymore. But it's like this continual attaching to me because it creates some sort of stigmatization of me. And it's like, guess what? You're done stigmatizing me. This is anything to do with me. This is something that, you know, you guys turned into a giant situation. It's not a giant situation. Like, knock it off. Do you think it was used to market the movie? Oh, hello? (laughs) Hello? You had Michael Douglas and you had an unknown actress. Like, market it on your star. When you, you tell me that you think there are a few more books in you, one about your dad... Gosh, it seems like you have a lot to say, Sharon, about a lot of things. So when you start looking at the next several years, are you a planner? Or are you just sort of letting the universe speak to you and use you as a vessel for what you're going to do next? Or, you know, are you, do you miss acting? Do you want to do, uh, you know, what, what do you want to do? Well, I have to say some of the most wonderful women in this business have offered me employment. And I'm gonna be doing some great work in acting with some amazing women in this business. And so I won't be missing acting. Well, can you tell us anything about it? Or if you tell me, we have to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know everything about everybody, so you'll probably know soon anyway, but I don't think I should announce it yet. That's exciting. I'm gonna gonna let my employers announce it. Um, But I can say that great women are employing me. And I'm really, really honored uh, by that. Um, I'm so honored by that. I am, uh, I can say that cool, great, marvelous, smart, funny, uh, amazing women are employing me and, um, and a bunch of them. And some men too, some men too have come through with me, Uh, men that I've worked with before and some new men are calling me. And I can just say that uh, it's turned turned itself around. It's really turned itself around in a really beautiful way. And it's also kind of made the title of your book truly resonate, The Beauty of Living Twice. I think you've probably lived more than twice. Don't you think you're, you've lived more lifetimes than even that? Well, you know, I'm a Buddhist and that's our thing. <laughs> so, of course. Um, but what I think now is that 
I live a little bit more with an overview of lives lived, an intention of living, um, which is that I feel like no matter what I do, my living is more purposeful. I see that in you, if I may say that. I mean, you have many lives within a life. And your work with discussing lives with people is so profound. And the way that you work and the depth with which you work and the goodness with which you've always worked is so profound. And I imagine that you feel like you live many lives because you live so many lives within this life you're living. And your lives that you're living right now are so good and they're so focused and they're so it's so purposeful what you're doing right now. Well, that's softly nice. Thank you. I imagine you must feel that you've lived many lives. Well, many chapters, right? Like every Certainly. chapter is different and and not all wonderful, as we know, but mm-hmm. uh, important and meaningful and um, and and useful, right? Well, I think at the end, I mean, one time I uh, I was uh, working with the, His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, and we were at, uh, we did universities. We were, I was his like opening act at universities. And that was what um, I talked about was that we write the book of our life and we carry it with us. And certainly not every chapter is an easy read or a winner. Sometimes we just feel like those chapters are so devastating, but that's what makes a good book. That's what makes a book a good read. And that's what makes our life a good read because we can turn the page when those pages or those chapters are so difficult, but we're still gonna carry that with us. So it's right on, you know, let's keep writing on and let's see how our book turns out. And if we're proud of the book that we wrote as life goes on. And as, uh, as you said, we've known each other a really long time. And I've watched you write your book and I've seen some of the tougher chapters and you've written them so beautifully, uh, Katie, and you've used some of the really harder chapters to make the world a better place make your world a more profound place and a more loving place. And somehow you've managed to bring more love into your life. And I wanna learn from your book, how to do that to my life so that my next book has more love in it too. Um, Because you're such an example. Um, You're such a brave example. You know, your, your book has so much courage in it. Um, and, you know, for someone who everybody thought was just perky, <laughs> you know, you have so much guts and so much decency and such a drive to keep moving your life forward positively and yet to continue to investigate so many difficult things. It's, it's just astounding to me. And... I think that's what we need to do. We need to investigate and choose to live positively. And that's the hardest thing to do. Um, And that's what I want to try to do now that I've looked 
at the hard parts. I want to figure out how to do what you do, investigate positively, find the love, find the, the, the good, you know. But I think you do that, that Sharon, I do. And I think, um, you know, your book, your book does that as well. And I think it's just so exciting that, you know, both of us, we're not letting society define who we are or what we are, what we can do. And I think I see more and more women refusing to accept that. You know, when I see women like Reese Witherspoon saying, I want to control my material or Kerry Washington and people like that. And, and you and, you know, saying we have a voice in this and we're not just kind of these people waiting you know, we, we are not waiting for other people to bestow upon us opportunities. We're going to create our own. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and that's why I'm so excited to see what's next for you. And so excited that you found this way to channel all this incredible um, depth and creativity and 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 that you are writing your own book. I just think it's awesome. And thank you for doing this because I love talking to you and I'm so glad that we've we've connected again. The good part of social media, honestly, right? <laughs> I get so many cool things from Sharon, everyone. She'll be like, this is so cool. Keep sending me DMs and um, and I'm just so happy. Congratulations on the success of your book. And and as I said, on, on telling your own story. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. A big thank you to Sharon Stone, my Instagram DM buddy, whose book is called The Beauty of Living Twice. And that does it for our summer book series. Wah. There might be a few bonus surprises, though, for you still to come. But otherwise, we're going to take a little break to enjoy what's left of the summer. Can you believe, by the way, how fast it's gone by? And prepare for a pretty big fall. My own book, which is called Going There, because I really go there, is coming out October 26th. And as you might have heard, I'll be going on tour. So come on, join me, everybody, to find out when and where I'm headed. And to grab your tickets, go to Ticketmaster.com slash going there. But if you can't see me in person, you can still find me here on the podcast starting September 30th. Next question, we'll have a whole new slate of episodes featuring juicy interviews with some pretty important people and even some exclusive podcast only stuff around my book. Woohoo! We're going to get pretty personal. Gulp. That's all coming this fall on Next Question with me, Katie Couric. Find it and subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. So later, enjoy the rest of your summer, everyone. Next Question with Katie Couric is a production of iHeartMedia and Katie Couric Media. The executive producers are me, Katie Couric, and Courtney Litz. The supervising producer is Lauren Hansen, associate producers Derek Clements, Adriana Fazio, and Emily Pinto. The show is edited and mixed by Derek Clements. For more information about today's episode or to sign up for my morning newsletter, Wake Up Call, go to katiecouric.com. You can also find me at katiecouric on Instagram and all my social media channels. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, 
or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.